0: Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning we're going to do something a little different. I know that's a shocker. i uh, give you a minute to process that. We've been in First Peter for some time now. I think we've done eight sermons out of First Peter. We will begin in First Peter, chapter three next week, and um, which is this week was just different. And I really felt like that God just had something special for this week. I. I I, I, I like doing sermon series, but I try to be sensitive to, okay, Lord, if there's something that we need to hear from you along the way, other than that, help us. And I believe that's what he's done for us this morning. I want us to turn to Psalm 143. Psalm 143, and we will read 1 through 12. There were seven... Penitential psalms. These were psalms where David went before God and just cried out and and, and said, I'm undone, Lord. I, my life is a mess, but I, I made it. I need forgiveness, God. I, I need for you to, to speak to me with your mercy and your loving kindness. That word chesed, we will find it here today. I, I need for you to to hear me, God. I, I, I don't deserve to be able to talk to you. And if you come to me, Lord, with just justice alone, with only righteousness alone and not mercy, I'm done. I'm done. I didn't come seeking justice today, God. I, I need your mercy. He cries out to him. Let's read together. Psalm 143. Beginning in verse one here, my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. If, if, if our conversation depends on mine, it's over now. I, I, I come to you pleading, Lord, for something from you that's gotta be based on your righteousness and your faithfulness, I deserve nothing. And do not enter into judgment with your servant for in your sight no man living is righteous for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me to dwell in dark places like those who have been long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart is appalled within me. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. That's not a word we use a lot. Ah, muse is not thinking. That's just where you go to amusement park. Isn't that amazing? In in our country, when you want to just not think, we even have parks designated. You pay to get them, where you can go and not think. And you wind up on a roller coaster that's 1,000 feet high. You leave your lunch there. That's why they call it uh, a amusement. Muse is to give deep thought to this. He said, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. And then possibly a break in the musical meter here, the word Selah. We don't know what it means. Answer me quickly, Lord, in verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I will become like those who go down into the pit. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. For I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk. For to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will. For you are my guide. Let your good spirit lead me on to level ground. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all of those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, it's it's not the story of David and Bathsheba. It's the story of what came out of that. It it may be the darkest time in David's history. We don't know. As a matter of fact, we don't really know which occasion in David's life this psalm is addressing. We know Psalm 51 addresses the sin that he had committed with with Bathsheba. But here we're not sure. It could be one of several things. Uh, it could be when Saul was after him. But you got to remember when Saul was after David, even though David was the one that was heir to the throne and Saul needed to get out of the way and would not, David had his supporters. He he had people who were with him. When he fought uh, Goliath, I mean, he became a hero out of that. I I really think that probably some of this at least has to do with his son Absalom. Absalom, after he kills his own brother, another one of David's sons who had raped one of David's daughters, David, and and this is all in 2 Samuel 13, he is seeing. The, the fruit of his life. He, he's seeing that we reap what we sow. He is seeing that that my sons have learned that if you see a pretty woman and you want her just go get her. If She's your sister and you have to rape her big deal but 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 you deserve her because I, I taught him that. I, I, and sometimes uh, maybe Absalom learned from me that once in a while people have to die. I mean it's just how it is. And and so Absalom kills his own brother which is another son of David. All of this is, is just horrifying to David, and, and man, it's one of the darkest moments in his life. Nothing is worse than when something happens to us like this, and it comes from someone we love. I, I remember reading a story of a, of a German that wound up in one of the concentration camps, and and, and, and he, a lot of Germans did. It wasn't just Jews. It, a lot of Germans died at the hands of Hitler. And it says that uh, I remember reading about his life. But I don't remember his name, but but he was he did so well with it. He he just was a, a very had a strong constitution, and he and he did what he had to do to stay alive. And he never lost hope. And and and, and it looked like that if unless they did take his life uh, just uh, suddenly, that he would survive. Possibly uh, one of the very few, but he would survive the concentration camp. Somewhere along the way, one day, he accidentally learned that the one who turned him in was his son. Within a few weeks, he was dead. Couldn't live with that. They didn't kill him. He lost hope. He lost hope. And, and I want to just want to tell you today, I, I understand we're just like David. Most of the messes we make in life, most of the problems we get into, we cause. I, I got that. David, David did that. Sometimes, uh, we get some help from others. David says, I've got some enemies here who are taking a bad situation and making it even worse. They won't let this dead horse lie. They, they are constantly after me, badgering me. They, they, they're looking for stuff to use against me, God, and I've given them plenty. I, I'm, I'm admitting to you, God, that, that I'm a long ways from where I need to be. But God, I don't have anywhere to go but to you. I don't have anywhere to go but to you. It's not like, and we should get this out of our minds in our thinking. I think some people today feel like, well, if it was an accidental mess up, then I can go to God. But if I messed up on my own, then, man, I have nowhere to go. Well, where are you going to go? How will you ever find peace? How will you ever find forgiveness from that? What you have to do is put your hat in your hand and and humble yourself before God and and go to Him and be honest with Him like we're going to see David does here in this passage. I want to share with you this morning the value of the valley. When you go through the tough valleys, and man, I, I, I already told a couple of you today, I'm just being honest with you. Because I love you and I've been praying for some of you. In particular, I lift up your name. I call your name out to God in prayer because I know you're walking through some difficult times and 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 I lift you up to the Lord. And I know some of you have been hurt beyond measure and 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 I understand that and and I don't I can't understand how much pain you must feel or whatever. So I'm limited there, but but I know your heart must be broken. And I, I know that the agony that you go through in your life and your soul is just, it, it, it just something horrendous. And if you are not there, remember, before the sun goes down today, you could be there. So let's look at what God says. Let's look at what he has to say about the valley. The value of the valley. This is not some Facebook meme. This is not one of those things, amen, if God led you to it, he'll lead you through it. Ooh. If God don't open the door, I'll praise him in the hall, amen. Boy, people go berserk over that one. I'm not, maybe you just put it on there this morning, I'm sorry. That's great, deep insight. I, I, I don't know, what I'm saying to you is, is this is not just Decorations. This is a serious man having a serious talk with a serious God who loves him in a serious way. Let's listen to what he says. Two things about the valley that are valuable. One, it's valuable because of what it teaches us about ourselves. Number one, it teaches us about our need. In verse 1, hear my prayer, O Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. God, my life is a mess. And I have no right to stand before you, no right to call on your name. I don't have anything that I can bring before you. I don't have any promises about, oh, I'll do better next time or, or, oh, I can't believe I did that. I promise I'll never do it again. All of that is garbage in the ears of God. Come to him and say, God, I messed up. I messed up. I failed you, Lord. I, I, I let something get the best of me in my life. And yeah, I'm in a quagmire. And yeah, I got plenty of people that are poking and gouging at me and trying to hurt me even worse. But, 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 but remember this. First of all, he deals with himself. He said, God, I got a lot of people after me and I need your help. And they would love nothing more than to see me annihilated forever. They'd love to see me go down in a pit. They'd love to see me just disappear like those have, who have died and, and, and have gone to the grave, God. I've got all of that. But let's first of all deal with me because none of us are facing anything in our lives that, that we can just look at God and say, well, God, this is totally not my fault at all. I mean, I, I can just tell you. When you walk through some of these valleys, if it has to do with maybe some failure in our life, no matter how long ago, we have to deal with that first of all. Deal with that first of all. Uh, he says, answer me in your faithfulness. and see says in your righteousness. In Psalm 7, if you read it, you'd see David declaring, his, his innocence, that, God, I'm innocent, and these people are after me in Psalm 7, and, and they mean to do me harm, but here's totally different. He says, God, I'm guilty. I, I, I've helped cause some of the mess that I'm in. Secondly, he talks about not only it teaches us about our need. We learn something else about ourselves, and that's our sinfulness. He says, and do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no man living is righteous. No man living is righteous. Oh man, in our world today, I hear so many cries for justice and and I want things to be set right. I can tell you, if we all, every human on this planet had the opportunity to go before God and take every grievance we have, if we knew that along with that, every one of our shortcomings and failures was going to come with that, that all of that was going to come out as well, there's not one of us that would go before God and say, God, I demand justice. We don't want justice. We need mercy. We need His grace, and we need His mercy. And and, and David, again, like I said, he's going to get to those who are gouging and probing at him and and trying their best to ruin his life. But he said, God, I, I first of all had to deal with what I did to my own life, God. I'm... Probably my worst enemy. My problem is sin, he says, and it's not somebody else's, it's mine. And then he talks about his enemy. Then he talks about his enemy. Now right now you might be thinking, wow, Preacher Mike, you thought of me this week after that. Not as much as I thought of me. I promise you. When you cry out to God, You need help and others are being cold hard sinners deal with the sinner that's caused you more trouble than anybody on this planet first that would be you that would be me we learn something about our enemy he says in verse 3 for the enemy has persecuted my soul he has crushed my life to the ground he has made me to dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. In other words, David is saying the enemy owns me. Th- this problem I've got, this, this situation that I'm facing, it owns me. Everybody I meet, it's not three sentences in till I'm talking about it. I walk around the house and nobody's there and I talk to people who aren't in the house and I ride down the road in the car and I, and I, I imagine conversations that I would have with those who have hurt me and what I would like to just tell them. And, 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 and I, I think through all of these scenarios and I imagine somehow or another getting back at them or getting back on top of the situation or whatever, but, but I finally had to come to the conclusion, and David did, that, hey, this thing owns me. This thing owns me. Every time I try to close my eyes, I think about it and and, and, and in Psalm 51, boy, he really describes the agony of the, he says, God, these bones I have are broken, and my body is sick, and, and, and he goes into all of that. But I can tell you, sometimes we get to the place that we have to finally admit, God, this problem owns me. It owns me, God. I think about it all the time. This person who hurt me. And yeah, maybe this was all their fault, and maybe what they did was totally uncalled for. but once it gets to the place that it's living, as we said last week, rent free in your head, it owns you. it owns you. He says it makes me stay in dark places i, I don't I don't come out into the light. I, people at church are wondering where I am, and I used to be involved in ministry but 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 not anymore I, Now, I used to serve the Lord. I I used to have excitement in my life about about helping others. I don't even want to see others right now. I am so uh, imprisoned in this pain and hurt that I have in my life, God. I, I pretty much stay in the dark. I think about people in the New Testament that had problems so long in their life, it personified them. I think about Simon the leper that Jesus healed. <laughs> then he went over to his house and had a meal with him. But just think about that. What if you were known as Simon the leper? That would it be like being known as Mike the knucklehead. I mean, it would be on your driver's license the big idiot another man in john chapter 9 we never met never knew his name but we know he was a blind man he's he's the blind man simon the leper though was cured of leprosy the blind man in john 9 was cured of his blindness we only know that there was a woman that had an issue of blood a hemorrhaging of blood that she had for 12 years we don't know her name so we constantly always refer to her as the woman with the problem and we identify her with her problem but i can tell you like all three of these cases when you meet jesus and you give that problem to jesus and you put your faith and trust in him when you humble yourself before God, I can tell you people can call you whatever they want to call you, but God can deliver you. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, yeah, I wonder what my name would have been. <laughs> we don't. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, maybe you never did those horrible things like some have. So maybe your name would just be so-and-so, the hypocrite, or the self-righteous one. All of those things can own our lives. He also teaches us about our need, our sinfulness, our enemy, our condition. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed. I want us to deal with these words. Overwhelmed. My heart is appalled in me. Overwhelmed means I don't know what to do. I I don't even, I I don't know what to say. If you looked at this word, overwhelm, and in in the Hebrew, it is a word that just means you are just totally devastated. You've been hit so hard, you don't even know which end is up. You just are absolutely just crushed. I, I remember years ago, years ago, I used to barefoot water ski a lot. And I remember a few falls that I've taken I've still not forgotten to this day. (laughs) Because if you've ever seen anybody fall barefoot water skiing, one, you're running 42 miles an hour. That was my speed. I knew I could get killed right along about there, so that's what I ran. But man, you take some tumbles. And when we would come up, we would always wave to the driver that we were okay. I can remember a couple of times when I waved to the boat driver. The boat was... Back here, and I was looking out the sleeve of my wetsuit. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Uh-oh. I mean, I'm okay. <laughs> you don't even know where it, what. It, I, I fell going so fast one time. Oh, we'll have to get the we'll have to get the VCRs out. I know some of you looking at me like, I don't know if I believe it or not. Now oh, we got the tape to prove it. I had a 100-foot rope running 42 miles an hour behind a boat, and you just do the math. I'd have him cut it in a donut, and I could pick up one foot and ride one foot all the way around. And I'd be moving so fast that you could hear the air whistling. And then when you fell, oh, yeah. If I fell like that right now, there wouldn't be enough left of me to fly to Spartanburg. (laughs) I can just tell you, it's overwhelming. You hit so hard, you taste purple for two days. I do remember a situation one time, though. I was on a golf course with my brother-in-law many years ago and a golf cart. We had just crossed the highway at the golf crossing, went on to the next hole, and we heard a crash. We turned right around, went back behind us to the crossing and there were two men in a golf cart and their wives that were in a golf cart behind them. And the two men pulled out in front of a car. I will not describe to you what I saw. It's not appropriate. But it was the two wives that I saw on the side of the road. I think they thought they were screaming, but they weren't. They were like whispering and they thought it was loud. That's how discombobulated they had become. And they were going, please please help us. Well, it just totally blown away. Could never have imagined they were looking at what they were looking at. I can tell you something. Sometimes in life you get so overwhelmed. You don't know whether to run this way or that way. You feel like I'm in something I can't get out of. I, 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 I got... I'm in a situation I can't get away from. God, I need your help. I need it so badly. Well, secondly and last of all, the valley is valuable because of what it teaches us about us. But most importantly, it's valuable because of what it teaches us about God. One, he can strengthen us. He can strengthen us. I remember the days of old, verse 5, he said, I meditate on all your doings. I, I muse on the work of your hands. The sweet old days. Uh, just being a shepherd boy. Man, why can't I go back to that, Lord? No responsibility except the sheep. And they would follow me because they were the four-legged sort. These two-legged ones are, are tough. They're hard to lead, God. And I went from being a shepherd boy who just could go every day and mind his own business while his big, brawny brothers went off to war and all of that. I never wanted to be in the middle of all of this. Then I go from that to standing before men that are 10 foot tall and and fighting armies that, that are way bigger than mine. And, and then I wind up becoming an enemy of the king himself. And then later on, my own son, my own flesh and blood, turns against me and tries to under Mind the throne from me. Boy, I remember those days. He said, I, I, "I'm first of all, I'm going to remember those good old times. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes in your mind, you might need to go back and say, you know, God, I remember simpler times, and I want those times, God. I know we can't go back physically in time, but sometimes we can go back to the days where we got up every morning, and before we did anything, we spent time with God before we worried about anything or anybody we got in his word and we read and we studied it and 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 you remember back then you thought boy if I don't do this I won't make it through the day I I got to do this you wondered if there was something wrong with you right man if I don't pray to God for for a certain amount of time every morning if I don't start my day off with him if I don't roll out there and and, and spend time with God before I do anything else my, my day will be a mess. You were so convinced of that. You were almost superstitious about it. But man, were those some ever sweet times you had with God. He says, I remember those times. He can strengthen us. He can give us that renewed vigor again. Secondly, He can see us. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit, my spirit fails do, do not hide your face from me, or, or I will become like one of those who, who goes down into the pit. God, don't don't hide your face from me. There's a famous name for God, Jehovah Jireh. We, we say that's the way we pronounce it in English, and we say that it means God will provide. Literally, in the Hebrew, Yahweh Jireh is a is a name for God that means God sees. But, but that's, don't, don't think, well, I need to go back and change it, or, or I need to call my devotional writer and tell him I were wrong. No, we translate it as God provides, because in the Hebrew, for God to see something was for God to do something about it. That's the way they saw God. And that's the way they believed that God saw them. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, God tells Moses, he said, I have seen the affliction of my people. And when I see it, when I see it, God says, I can do something about it. For me to see it is for me to get involved with it. God sees it. And you might think that, man, nobody in the world knows what I'm going through. I promise you God does. You may think everybody in the world has forgotten you, but I promise you he has it. And and notice how he says, Lord, don't hide your face uh, from me. You ever ask yourself, what does it mean? We see it in the Bible a lot. What does it mean to seek the face of God? Well, when you look at someone's face, and this is how the Hebrews thought, when you look at someone's face, you could tell so much more about them. You can look at my face and tell maybe that there's something really bothering me. You become intimate with me when you look at my face. My face says a lot of things. You're never going to look at me and say, hey, I knew you were upset. I saw your big toe. Ooh. It tells you nothing about me. But this right here does. And the Hebrew people believe that the, that the face of God, when you sought His face, you were looking for intimacy with Him. God, I know how I feel. I want to know how you feel. I've heard how others feel. God, I want to know how you feel about it. I want some intimacy with you, God. Don't, 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 don't turn away from me. Look at me, God. Please don't hide your face from me. I, I need that level of intimacy with you. He can strengthen us. He sees us. He can love us. He said in verse 8, let me hear your loving kindness in the morning. There's our word, I said. You notice how David, if you study it, goes through a progression here. Did you see now? In the morning, Lord. Earlier in the psalm, he was acting like it wasn't going to be a morning. Oh, he's beginning to climb out of the pit. Do you see that? In the morning, Lord. Make sure that I, I can hear your loving, I can hear of your loving kindness. That's a powerful word for mercy, for grace. None of those words are sufficient. To teach us the meaning, but it's a powerful word for the love of God. He strengthens us, He sees us, He loves us. He can sustain us. He can sustain us. Oswald Chambers said one time, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. See, we've been taught that. You've you got to believe God for it. And then you've got to call your prayer sister and she's got to agree. And if two of you agree together in prayer, then God's got to get out of bed in the middle of the night because you've held him hostage with your faith. That is not what the Bible teaches. That's what Joel Osteen teaches. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Oswald Chambers says, Faith means whether I'm visibly delivered or not. I will stick to my belief that God is love. And there are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Now, that's coming from a man. I don't know how much you know about Oswald Chambers, but he died at 43. I think we think of him as some old man, (laughs) all bent over, writing all those cool things. He died at 43. Man. And yet his books have been published, I think, in 39 different languages. It's incredible. But what a picture of faith. Faith is not believing God can do anything. It is believing in anything God does. That's truly trusting him. Verse 8, he says, for I trust in you. He can strengthen us, see us, love us, sustain us. Number 5, he can teach us. Teach me the way in which I should walk. For to you I lift up my so, It's a learning process. I need you to teach me, God. Teach me the way that, that I need to walk. In verse 10, I like this. He says, teach me to do your will. See, I, I, sometimes we, we need God to teach us how to do His will. Not, not to just uh, admire His will. Not to just preach about His will. Not, not to just ponder His will. I, I, I'm I remember one of the best illustrations that Francis Chan ever gave about this. He was talking about, he said, if I tell my daughter to go clean her room, he said, if I see her later in the day and she tells me, hey, Dad, guess what? You remember this morning when you told me to go clean my room? I memorized what you said. Now, I didn't clean my room, but that was my memory verse for today. And later tonight, I'm going to have some friends over, and we're going to have a group study where we get together and talk about what it would look like if we actually clean my room. Now, we're not hitting a lick at a snake yet, but we're going to think about what it would be like if, if, if I actually did what you told me to do. But for now, I've memorized it, and... Maybe you've got that favorite verse you just got written in your Bible and all that. and all oh, that's wonderful. But sometimes we need God to teach us to do His will. He has to teach us. It's something that we have to learn. He can strengthen us, see us, love us, sustain us, teach us. He can deliver us. Verse 9, deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Boy, I love what he told Goliath. Man. When he walked out there, now those were the good old days for David. I bet he thought that was a giant. His son Absalom became even bigger in his life. Boy, he walked out there and looked at that big old giant. Man. Picks up five stones out of a brook. I don't know, somebody said that was in case he had some brothers. He hauls off with one of them and sends it and it hits him right there in the middle of his head and down he goes. Man, he'd already told him Oh, He said, look, this battle's not mine. You're insulting me. You're, telling, you're asking me, are you a dog because I come at you with a shepherd's rod and, and a slingshot? Uh, you, you're making fun of me. Let, 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 me let, let, let me make something clear to you, Mr. Goliath. If you, can you hear me up there? Let me make something clear to you. This battle is not mine and yours. This battle is God's. You have defied the armies of the living God. And you're going to have to take it up with him. I just turned the rock loose. He gets a hold of it after that. Man. And that big galoot, that's a Hebrew word. He hits the ground. David goes over there. Jumps up and down on his chest. I'm guessing. I don't know. This is a big old boy here. Takes his sword and cuts his head off. See, Baptist, we call that follow up. Little Baptist follow up. He said, "This battle's not mine. I'm not here to defend God. He can defend himself. The battle's not with me." I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people in this world you may think hate you because you're a Christian. The one they have a problem is is the one who will not relent about we are unrighteous, and unless we trust in his work on the cross and receive his righteousness as a free gift, nothing else will matter when you take your last breath on this earth. And they don't like that. We live in a world that has risen up with such indignation, you don't tell me what to do. I'll go to heaven. I promise you. <laughs> There are people on this world that would grit their teeth and say, if I want to go to hell, it's none of your business. Because that's where most of them are going. Because it's none of God's business either, as far as they're concerned. Well, strengthen us, see us, love us, sustain us, teach us, deliver us. He can revive us. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me not so our church will be bigger not so we'll get back on the track not so that we'll have big crowds not so that we can pay off debt not so that uh, that we'll go back to the glory days when we used to have a full house all the time and 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 singings on Sunday night with a packed group and all of that no revive me god for for your sake lord for your name's sake i am down here bearing your name god but i'm taking it in vain I am claiming to be a victorious Christian who lives by your power and might and not my own, but right now I'm not doing too good with it, God. So for your own sake, God, please revive me. Number eight, he can lead us. in Verse 11, and your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. Number nine, he can protect us and your loving kindness cut off my enemies and destroy those who afflict my soul see I tell you he would get to them but first he knew he had to deal with himself and then last of all God can use us he says for I am your servant you may think man gone too far No matter how much I'm willing to own my part in this mess, Pastor Mike, this bad marriage, this bad relationship, this situation, this legal matter, whatever it might be in your life, no matter how much of it I'm willing to own, I I can't get anybody else to own any of it. I try so hard to change them, and I can't. Start back with you. Say, God, I need you to forgive me first of all. Forgive me for what I've done. And then cry out to God like David did. Did you notice how he kept all through the psalm? And I hope you'll go home because, man, we just scanned it. We just scanned it. We'd be here all day if we were going to really expound this psalm. We just... We just scanned it. T- tonight over at Crestview, i got to speak for 15 minutes. That would be worth coming over there for just to see that happen, right? Cry out to God like David did. Tell him. God, you you got to hear me and hear me now. I'm not praying, Lord, for rain, and if it rains or doesn't rain, somehow or another, I'll survive. No, I'm, God, what I'm calling for right now, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't want to live anymore like this, God. I'm in a situation that's so dark and so black and so bleak and so difficult, I don't know what to do about it. I need your help. You may say, Pastor Mike, that, that was good for whoever needed it. I'm not there. You might be. You never know. If we live long enough, I think that all of us, in some form or fashion, will get where David is. This world's tough, and most of the time we make it tougher on ourselves because we're sinners, and we fail God, and we make messes. We play a role in our demise, and that's what makes it even worse. But God is awesome. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just take a moment to talk with God. Right now, this might be the quietest, most peaceful moment you've had all week. Maybe you've spent all week trying to figure out the impossible, do the undoable sorting through the unthinkable. I promise you, whether it's what someone has done to you, what you've done to yourself, or a combination, I promise you, God, He loves you. He can sustain you. He can heal you. He can lead you, he can teach you, and don't you dare let the devil ever tell you that you're finished because he can use you. Maybe it's time to come out of the darkness. No, I know that, 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 that hurt, that pain, that problem, the way you see it, maybe how you saw it was never fully recognized, or or whatever, maybe you feel like it was not fair, not just, whatever. I, I can tell you what's not fair and what is not just, and I'm not trying to be mean, but man, for God to give what He has given to bring about our healing and to give us peace, for us to let people play games with our minds and hearts, that's not their sin, that's ours. God can deliver us. Let me pray for us right now. Lord, I come to you. I know. I know, God, in a crowd this size, there has to be those that, Lord, they'd give you anything to know your peace again. To go back to those shepherd boy days in their life when they first got saved. and Everybody was so excited to hear it. And, Lord, they just served you any way they could. There was no way to run them off. Lord, it was just, absolutely a joy to pray to you they didn't have to put a reminder on their phone to read their Bible God they just, it, they just walked in a place Lord that they've maybe not been to in a while help them to remember that help them to know God that you can take them back there Lord help us all to understand When we're thinking that it's impossible, it's too far gone, it's no way. Help us to remember, Lord, that you tell us that you can restore what the locusts have eaten. And, Lord, we know that the locusts leave nothing. They leave nothing. Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us today. I pray, God, that, Lord, you would help us, Father, to just fall before you. I pray, God, we wouldn't leave this place today. I I, I know, Lord, we have some restrictions and all of that right now that we have to deal with. But, God, if someone just needs to come and, and, and fall on their knees before you, whatever it might be, God, find a room somewhere before they go home today. Don't even crank the car. Lord, maybe until they've spent a moment with you. Saying, God, I need that so badly. I need what I heard today from you. Lord, remind us. Remind us of these things. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, Please visit our website at ServantsWay.com or email us at office at ServantsWay.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.